0: Well, we turn now to our third servant song, which is found in Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 11. Here in this third servant song, we, we hear of even the things that Zechariah was singing about when he speaks of the mercy of God like a sunrise, brightly shining in the deepest night, guiding those who sit in darkness to the way of peace and light. That's a theme here that is rich in this third servant song, Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 11. If you're visiting with us, we've not only been making our way through Isaiah, uh, but we've also been focusing specifically on these servant songs, which uh, point us to Jesus Christ during this Advent season. And we hear the third of the fourth servant song here in Isaiah 50, again, verses 4 through 11. give our careful attention to the reading of God's Word. The Lord God has given me a tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens my ear, he, awake, he awakens, he awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, I turned not backward, I gave my back to those who strike and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting, but the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who equip yourselves with burning torches, walk by the fire of your light. And by the torches that you have kindled, this you have from my hand, you shall lie down in torment. Beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. May he add his blessing now to the preaching of his word. Well, when you read the Bible, sometimes there are questions behind a text that give rise to why it was written. And during Isaiah's time, there was Questions on the hearts of God's people. And one of the, the burning questions on the hearts of Israel was this Why can we trust God to be our helper? Now, that might seem like a very basic question to some this morning, uh, but it's a question that we often wrestle with in times of trial. Why can I trust God to actually be my helper? You see, the people of Israel were a weary people during the time of Isaiah, they were wearied in dark circumstances. Again, they had been taken captive by foreign rulers, brought into exile for 40 years. They had been humiliated as a nation because they broke that covenant that they swore to God at Mount Sinai. And now they're suffering for their sins. And they're wondering, has God cast them off forever? They were discouraged and they felt alone in the darkness. We hear in chapter 49, verse 14, these words zion said the lord has forsaken me and my lord has forgotten me well beloved the lord takes notice of his weary people and god takes almost three chapters to answer his people's cry of feeling forgotten and he shows them through three chapters how he is a god who can be trusted Again, even as we heard last week from chapter 49, verse 15, God said, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Well, this morning, beloved, perhaps you feel weary and you feel tired. Like Israel, you wonder if God has forgotten you and left you alone in the darkness. Well, this third servant psalm is meant to inspire us and to encourage us to put our trust in our faith in God. Verse 10 says this, Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Indeed, beloved, 2,000 years ago, we remember during this Advent season how a weary world rejoiced at the coming of Jesus Christ into this dark world. And once again, this servant song is telling us about Jesus, even hundreds of years before his birth, that we might be given this source of strength and hope this morning. And beloved, there's three reasons here that are given for why we can trust God to be our helper, why we can trust Jesus in the midst of the darkness. The first reason is this, verse 4, because he knows how to minister God's word to us. Why can we trust God? He knows. He knows how to minister God's word to us. You'd see there in verse four, this first point, uh, each one of these reasons actually begins with those words, the Lord God. And the first thing here that the Lord God has given the servant, notice, is a tongue of the learned. A tongue of the learned. In other words, this servant is a fellow disciple with us, right? He is those, uh, the, the kind of person who has been faithfully taught the things of God. He's a disciple. He's a scholar. He's someone who is understanding the things of God. Did our Lord Jesus learn from his father the things necessary to be our Messiah? The New Testament tells us, as we've heard in multiple sermons in Luke two fifty two, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. Jesus, as a little boy, was taught by his parents the Old Testament scriptures. We're told in the New Testament that he was at the temple in an early age. But notice we see in our text here one of the main ways that Jesus was taught. Jesus says, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. What a beautiful picture that is. God The Father awakening Jesus each morning to be taught. Now, children, maybe at school you're used to hearing your your teacher say, you know, listen up, class, this morning we're gonna learn about, you know, geometry, or we're gonna learn about history, or we're gonna learn about English, or maybe if you're homeschooled, that, that teacher is your mom. But morning by morning, right, they let you know what's on the agenda as they teach you. Well, this is the picture of the Heavenly Father with Jesus every morning of his earthly life, opening the ears of his beloved son to give him understanding. Jesus spent intimate times of communion and fellowship with his father. He was discipled in the words of God and taught about his mission. And notice verse four, the reason. Notice verse four, the reason. The servant says, so that I should know how to sustain the weary with a word. Or another translation, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. This servant is trained in the word of God so that he could speak that word of comfort to weary and needy sinners. Think about this. Isn't it amazing that people can receive strength by words? Right? Think of the strength the weary soldier receives when he gets that letter from his family that's far away right think of those times maybe in your own life when you were going through difficulty or or struggles in a particular way and and someone sent you an email or someone wrote you a card or someone texted you certain words that spoke to you the right words that you needed to hear at just the right time we could receive life and strength by words can't we We're told here in this Third Servant Song, the words that Jesus speaks to his people are fresh words. They're words that are always in season. You know, in our day of social media and the internet, our words can often be so superficial and cliche at times. And that's because our words don't always come with a deep understanding of someone else's situation. We're disconnected from the reality. And so the words that sometimes we try to bring are shallow, right? Everything happens for a reason. When God closes a door, he opens a window, right? Many cliches that kind of float around. But the words that Jesus speaks to his people are fresh words because he knows how to minister to our hearts as someone who knows the very depths of our being. He knows us through and through even the core root of our issue, and therefore his words come With a certain unique power and authority. He knows the questions on our hearts. He knows our anxieties. He knows our fears, and he he speaks to those things. We see that in his ministry. In John 14, you remember he comforted his disciples who were sad about his departure. Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, What I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? He said to a discouraged woman in John 4, I am that living water. He said, most famous in Matthew 11, as we heard already, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Fresh words. Why can we trust God to be our helper? Because Jesus is a fellow disciple who knows how to minister to the depths of our hearts in a way that no one else can. He sees through the confusion that we often feel. Again, he sees to the very core of every issue in your life, and he is able to bring a word in season to your weary heart. We don't always know how to do that. I don't always know how to do that as a pastor. And this is an encouragement to us as God's people who are united to this servant, Jesus, by faith. To, like Jesus, live close to God. Morning by morning, we should make it our prayer like this text. Lord, open my ears this morning that I might receive your word, that I might be taught by you so that I will know today how to speak that word in season to the people who are needy around me. God has put needy, beloved, and hurting people all around you, your friends, your children, your co-workers, your spouse. And we must live close to God in prayer and be in his word so that we can have strength to minister to others. Proverbs 25, verse 11, like apples of gold in a setting of silver is a word spoken in the right circumstance. The first reason we can trust God is he's a fellow disciple who knows how to minister the word to us. Second reason, this servant knows how to walk the path of costly obedience. He's not only a fellow disciple, but he's a fellow sufferer. We see that in verse 5. Notice we read of a different kind of opening of the ear. This one is for the sake of obedience. The Lord God has opened my hear notice and the servant says, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backwards. The servant is portrayed as one who knows how to follow orders, right? Again, the Lord God is the one who gives him that instruction. He faithfully and continually follows God, never straying to the right or to the left. Uh, To summarize the words of Puritan Thomas Watson, you know, the faithfulness of Jesus to the law of God is natural to him right? He's the son of God. He's he's always walked in the ways that are righteous. But to give himself over to an obedience that requires suffering was something that he had to learn. A suffering obedience. And that's what we see here. Notice this servant not only follows God when things are going easy and well, but he follows God in difficulty and in suffering, verse 6. And the servant willingly does it. I gave my back to those who strike. The servant willingly offers himself to suffering. And this is not suffering because of his wrongdoing or because he merited it. But this is suffering that he willingly accepts. There's a threefold kind of suffering that's described here. First, notice you read of backlashing or judicial flogging of someone. Second, you read here of the, the pulling out of the beard. It's a grotesque, unnecessary kind of torture to, to pull out the beard. And thirdly, you read of shame, you know, spitting in someone's face. Just think about that kind of suffering. Is anybody ever spat in your face? We're not yet given the reason why this servant is suffering. We have to wait for Isaiah 53 for that explicitly. But notice what Isaiah is doing, what he has been doing in these servant songs. He's given us more and more details about this servant as we get this fuller picture of his mission. Think about how this text would have comforted the people of Israel in their own afflictions and their own suffering. Here is God's servant who knows difficulty and who can understand suffering. He's walked the path of costly obedience. Again, as Christians, we see Christ here, Christ and the suffering servant of Isaiah 50. This suffering that we read in Isaiah 50 is explicitly referred to in the New Testament, almost in exact detail. Jesus willingly giving himself to suffering in our place as he offered his back to whips, as he subjected himself to public disgrace and humiliation for our sakes. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me but I give it away. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it up again. Jesus willingly giving himself over to costly suffering. What does this tell us about why we can trust God this morning? Well, Jesus is a servant who understands suffering. He doesn't float above the trials of this life like Buddha. He doesn't pretend that suffering is an illusion something that you just need to escape through higher thinking. No, Jesus experienced body and soul, unimaginable suffering, not only to identify with us, but to conquer all of our enemies, to conquer sin, to conquer death, to conquer hell. And because he suffered, beloved, there is weight to the words that he speaks to us because they come with understanding and knowledge. Right? When someone has experienced the things that they're speaking about, you want to listen to them. Right? When Joni Erickson Tada, a quadriplegic, speaks on the sovereignty of God from her wheelchair, you want to listen. When I lived in San Diego, I heard Nick, and I always butcher his last name, uh, Vultishik uh, speak He's that man who was born with no arms and no legs. I remember in San Diego, hearing this man speak on embracing the limitations that God has given to you and living out your purpose in life. When you hear people like this speak from their own experience, right? You want to listen to their words. Well, when Jesus speaks his word to us, beloved, it comes with this kind of understanding. He was discipled in the word of God and he has walked the path of costly obedience. Here's another reason why we can trust Jesus. Connected with that, verse 7 and 9. Jesus knows how to persevere through afflictions. Jesus knows how to persevere through afflictions. Notice, this servant is determined to carry out his mission even when it's costly. He says, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. Flint is a hard uh, sedimentary rock. It was used, they say, to manufacture tools uh, in the Stone Age. And this word shows then the determination of this servant to to carry out his mission. And this part of Isaiah 50 is quoted in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. And in that part of Luke's gospel, it's the very turning point where Jesus now sets his face like flint to go to Jerusalem he is going to suffer for our sins again he says no one takes my life from me but i lay it down of my own accord i have power to lay it down and i have power to take it up again how can this servant persevere through this path of suffering he tells us the reason the lord god helps me therefore i have not been disgraced he will not ultimately be ashamed Or ultimately be seen as false in the eyes of the world because the Lord God will be at his side. He knows, notice verse 8, this key word, he knows that God will vindicate him in the end. Children, what does that word vindicate mean? Right, to vindicate means to clear somebody of wrongdoing, to clear them of blame or suspicion. To vindicate means that you show that someone is in the right. And here this servant is saying, although he is going to suffer unjustly, God will show this world that he is the righteous son of God, that he is who he says he is. And so the scene here is the courtroom. Look at the, the text here. The servant is challenging people to come at him. Notice he says, who's going to contend with me? Step inside the ring. Who is my adversary? Who will condemn me? The servant says, this is bold faith. servant declares that God is his helper not as things are going easy not as he's at the beach right just enjoying life but he's saying that God is his helper as he goes through this path of suffering and accusation because he knows the Lord God will help him doesn't have to defend himself but he could suffer even unjustly knowing that in due time God will raise him up and declare him to be the righteous son of God beloved how does that kind of text help us well this is our confidence if we are united to this servant jesus by faith you hear these questions again from isaiah 50 and they should sound a little bit familiar to you because in romans chapter 8 verse 33 and 34 we hit here a little bit of an echo of some similar questions that point to the christian's confidence in christ There in Romans 8, in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who was crucified and raised from the dead, we hear this. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Paul is saying Christ has secured us in God's love, so that we can have the same confidence as this servant in our own trials and in our own troubles. Paul is saying nothing in heaven or on earth can separate you from the love of God. And that's good news, because that means no matter what afflictions we might be going through today, no matter what kind of darkness we have to walk through, no matter how heavy life feels, how draining life is upon us, Paul is saying if you're united to this victorious servant Jesus, nothing will separate you from God's love. But the confidence that he has is your confidence by faith in Christ. And so, why can we trust God this morning? He knows how to minister to our weary hearts. He has suffered like us and for us. He has secured us in God's love. And so this song concludes with a great summons to put our trust in the Lord. Each one of these servant songs has what we call a tailpiece, kind of an ending. And here this ending is a summons to put our trust in God. A final reason why we are to do that. Because he knows how to walk with us in the darkness. Notice verse 10. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Notice there that the fear of the Lord and obedience to his servant are on the same level. And that's because the fear of the Lord is to obey Christ and to follow this servant who is God the Son. And then the text says this. Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the lord and rely upon his god now the esv points to the people there who are walking in darkness other translations like the nasb refer to this text to the servant who is walking in darkness it's ambiguous in the hebrew it can refer to either the people or to the servant it's contextual in how you want to put one forward but theologically and biblically both are true aren't they And perhaps part of the reason for the ambiguity is to show how this servant knows what it's like to walk in the darkness just like his people. And beloved, you and I can find ourselves walking in the darkness of this life. And I believe darkness here isn't necessarily speaking to unbelief. It's not necessarily speaking to spiritual blindness or to our own rebellion against God. Uh, But this darkness is pointing more to the severe trials that God's children have to go through. Right, think of Job, who again lost everything, not due to his unbelief or to his rebellion, but due to the, the providence of God that fell upon him. Calvin writes about this text, The darkness here is the afflictions by which the children of God are almost always overwhelmed. Darkness can be social isolation. Darkness can be sudden loss. Darkness can be mental illness struggles. Darkness can be a wayward child far from God. Darkness could be the loss of a job. Darkness could be chronic pain. This is the kind of darkness that could shake our faith and make us wonder if we're even children of God. Allow me to quote from the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 18. It connects with this text and how we could sometimes lose an assurance of our faith in God. It says this, it says, true believers may have the assurance of their salvation in diverse ways shaken and diminished by falling into some special sin, by some sudden or vehement temptation, or by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and have no light Yet, they are never utterly destitute of that seed of God and that life of faith, that love of Christ and the brethren, that sincerity of heart and conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by which, in the meantime, they are supported from utter despair. Again, we too can find ourselves, even as true and faithful Christians, Walking in the darkness of this life. And at the end of this song, we see two ways to handle that. First, you could light your own fire and try to walk by its light, verse 11. Right? You could look to the world for solutions, for comfort, and for meaning. There are many so called lights that are out there that you can try to follow to make you handle the darkness. But those lead to death, Isaiah says. Or, you can trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon God in the darkness. And this servant song is telling us that is the better way. Why is it better? Because Jesus can speak words of life to our weary souls. Because Jesus knows what it's like to suffer affliction. Because Jesus knows how to walk with us in the darkness. He walked in a darkness far blacker than anything we will ever go through. The outer darkness of hell descended upon Jesus at the cross as he suffered body and soul for your sin and for my sin. As he endured at that place, the judgment of God, the wrath of God poured out upon him. Darkness descended upon the light of the world so that we can know even this morning that he is our helper. This song begins with the servant who knows how to bring a word of comfort to the weary, and it ends with that word of comfort for those who walk in darkness. Therefore, beloved, for you today who walk in darkness and have no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon your God. Fall on your knees before Jesus this Advent season, for he is the child of light who came into this dark world to save us. And now he is the King of glory, vindicated at God's right hand. He will be our help. And so may we look to him to find our strength in his name. Amen. Let's pray. Dear our Heavenly Father, we confess that your Son, Jesus Christ, is the only true light. He is the light of the world. And in him, you have overcome the darkness of sin and of death and of hell. We thank you that even now, The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Oh Lord, would you shine your light upon this dark world? Would you shine your light upon us who are here this morning, who are walking in different kinds of darkness? Lord, help us to see the light of Christ today and help us, oh Lord, to trust and rely upon the Lord our God because you are faithful and you will be our helper. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.